Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. Merry Christmas! Hooray! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! We made it! Jesus has been um, celebrated his birth once again, and we are here, and Merry Christmas. So we have a bonus episode for you. Uh, I mean, not so much bonus in the sense that like you're getting two episodes this week, but it's more like a bonus Advent wreath continuation bonus episode because we are going to talk about the fifth candle on the advent wreath what the fifth candle candle. and a four candle wreath tell us more yeah so oftentimes this is not always the case but oftentimes in the center of the advent wreath is the christ candle the white big pillar candle um and sometimes um i know i served in one congregation where the advent wreath fit onto our Christ candle Mm -hmm. stand so that our normal everyday Christ candle was the Christ candle in the middle. So it continued acting that way. Um, Where I serve now, we take out our normal Christ candle and then we have the advent wreath up and it has its own more appropriately sized (laughs) Christ candle in the middle. Hmm. Um, So yeah, it is the bonus fifth candle because again not every advent wreath is going to have this but it is the candle that you light then on christmas i'm kind of glad actually now that you mentioned this that um we're we're talking about like the 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 whole notion of advent builds toward the actual presence of jesus because this year especially for a lot of churches um we're discovering how weird it is for some people to be in church on christmas when this year christmas day has fallen on a sunday but like it mm-hmm. is weird how in american christianity we go okay we're getting ready for christmas getting ready for christmas jesus 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 is the reason for the season and then on christmas day in many places why would i show up in church at all that's, <laughs> that's today for me to sleep in an open presence that like there's this weird bait yeah. and switch and if our understanding of advent does the same thing unintentionally if we're counting down days we're counting down days but as soon as we get to christmas well, let's get rid of that. We're moving on to the next thing. But like the idea, nope, it has built toward a purpose and it's built toward Jesus himself. So as we have been talking about our different candles around the wreath, we have mentioned that each one of them has a word kind of associated with them, hope and peace and joy and love. Um, And the Christ candle has a word associated with it as well, besides just being the Christ candle. And that word is light. And so we want to spend some time today talking about what it means for for us to refer to Jesus as the light, uh, what it means for for the light in this season, mm-hmm. in the season of darkness. Um, and so one of the first places we really hear Jesus being referred to as light is in John chapter one, um, where we get John's kind of it's a nativity story. It's not a nativity story. It's not the nativity <laughs> story that you think it is. It's right. not the shepherds and the wise men and, you know, the little drummer boy and all that. No, it's a very different story. Um, and it starts off in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And obviously the word being Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him, not one thing came into being. What is coming to being was in him in him was life and life was the light of all people the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it 
And then just a little bit later in that prologue, he goes on to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, which is sort of John's way of mm-hmm. doing nativity, right? All, there's yeah. there's the, the whole notion of God entering into our humanity there. But he's got all those themes together. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is light. Jesus is the one through mm-hmm. whom everything is created. Mm-hmm. He, he accomplishes a lot in a couple of paragraphs. He does indeed. Um. And also later in in John's gospel, Jesus will call himself the light of the world, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a throwback to the beginning of what John writes, maybe where John got that inspiration from, um, is that, you know, Jesus brought in light to the world. And my favorite line from this prologue in John, one of my favorite lines, because there are a lot of them, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And for me, like when, when Jesus comes into the world, he comes in darkness. We celebrate Christmas in December, probably not when Jesus was actually born, but like <laughs> part of the reason we do that is because it's so dark. It's so dreary. The sun sets at like four o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, but as we keep adding lights to the Advent wreath, you know, we keep brightening the space. Now that's not quite the same in today's world with electricity and we have lights on all the time but right you know when we started when the advent restarted hundreds of years ago when there wasn't electricity it did literally add light to the room yeah yeah and there i I think there's something really powerful about that that like again is as much as um the the wider culture is not terribly interested in in our way of observing advent with candles like you can get like little advent counters with little toys or candy even every day or something like that that's marketable but for candles that no, nobody wants to sell that but like that idea of like let's just stay with this idea of a small slender flame that grows and spreads you know one by one by mm-hmm. one and builds uh, until this moment at which uh, the thing we've been waiting for arrives that yeah that's powerful it's still powerful even in a world with electricity but yeah that's a power then that preaches a sermon in an era before electricity um you know when when, when the, the priest is speaking in latin and you don't know what they're saying in the high mass at least you get that image of oh the light is growing that's what we're waiting for we're waiting for the arrival of the light um and that in the meantime we sort of keep vigil and finally at last this is what we've been waiting for yeah I, as um so my my children are quite young um you know they're five and three this year and they're like the oldest is just on the cusp of being able to read and is just now starting to get like the understanding of what a calendar is and what it is to wait a whole week for something mm. or to do something only mm. once every other week like he's just now starting to get that but like his little brother not so much and so having such a visual thing of like yeah we are lighting this one candle on you know the first Sunday of Advent and the next Sunday we're going to add another candle and then another and then another and then when we finally light this last one this white one in the middle it's Christmas yeah like that is so incredibly helpful for you know my young kids who are like not literate um as a visual of like yeah this is how we keep time yeah and it's it's something that marches on in a very even pattern. Yeah. The other thing that I really love about this practice we have of taking one candle and lighting the next and then lighting the next and then finally the Christ candle is 
in a way that electric lights can't convey quite the same, there is this really, really beautiful and powerful and like theologically loaded image that the pretty early church adopted to talk about who Jesus is. And it, it uses the imagery of light. Um, uh, we've talked on, on and off again on this podcast about that document from the mid-fourth century, the Nicene Creed, that spends so much time trying to pin down, what do we believe about Jesus? Is Jesus like God's vice president? Is Jesus like a really great human? Is Jesus a, you know half divine, half human? And the early church like fought long and hard, even St. Nicholas punching out Arius the heretic over, no, whatever, whatever God the Father is, Jesus has that full divinity. Mm-hmm. He's not anything less. And so as, as the early church put that into words, they got sometimes got very, very precise. Jesus is God from God. And then they use this beautiful image, light from light. And like, I, 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 pick, I picture now, especially in light of our conversation today, when you take the, the taper and you light one candle from the other, if you, if you looked at two flames, like, well, you know, is one different than the, no, you've got the same light basically, but now it's, mm-hmm. it's coming out of when one certainly has proceeded from the other, because you lit one from the other, but they're in a sense sharing the same, well, substance, if you want to use creedal language, um, and that, and yet there's two flames. Like, it's almost like you're so close to like that. Yeah. That's what the mystery is that we call Trinity. The idea that this, this one God is in in three persons but is 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 all all one substance that there's not like god and then caffeine free god and diet god like you know that we do with sodas um that whatever jesus is is the fullness mm-hmm. of what god is um and there's something really beautiful about that even the way that that light works as this reality that radiates it gives itself away for the sake of the world that is not illuminated yet to me, like that really gets at what we were talking about even last week when we talked about love, that the nature of God's kind of love isn't a transaction or I'll do this for you, but then you do something for me. But the nature of light itself, like the nature of genuine love is this self-giving, radiating, giving itself away kind of thing. Light doesn't get anything in return for that. Light just gives itself mm-hmm. away. So can I pose a question to the two of you? Please. Um, one that I find myself keep coming back to in this series is okay what does it mean like to borrow a line from an old professor in seminary what's the existential cash value of saying okay jesus is god's self-expression or jesus is the light of the world or the light we've been waiting for mm-hmm. how does that show up what does that mean for us um beyond just well we light some candles <laughs> what what it like how, how why, why does the world care or why is that important for for our witness in, in the world how does it how does anybody know or what difference does it make so I'm going to answer. I'm not sure that this is exactly answering your question, but to me, the John's prologue and the Jesus as light and light from light, it, it's it's such a good reminder of, hey, yeah, this, um, because uh, John's prologue is often the reading for Christmas Day mm-hmm. as opposed to Christmas Eve, which is Luke 2. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great thing to hold in tension, John 1 and Luke 2, because Luke 2 is all about Jesus is being born as right. a human. Like, yes, God incarnate, God made flesh, but like a baby, like yeah. a human being going to experience all the things that we've experienced. Um, and here, John one is this reminder of, oh yeah. And Jesus is also God, like Mm -hmm. fully 100% is God. 
And so it's this moment of recognition of this, this human person is 100% human, but also 100% divine. And that's like really hard to reconcile because that math doesn't add up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm really bad at math. So I don't really care that the math doesn't add up. I can like be all like, yep, that sounds right. One person can be 100% both. Yep. Awesome. Um, but like, that's a big deal, but it's, yeah. it's, we can't forget in the midst of all of our celebrating that 2000 years ago, Jesus was born as a human to forget the fact that what makes that a miracle is that that baby was God yeah, or mm-hmm. is God. Yeah. Yeah. The, the nerd in me thinks it is again, one of those delightful things. The people who wrote the Nicene Creed could not have imagined, but it's another way that light turns out to be a really helpful metaphor there, because at least for people who lived in the 20th century, when contemporary physics tells us that light is both a particle and a wave at the same time, um, it's like, wow, it's like, it's a built-in Christological metaphor. And like (laughs) science has gone back and forth. No, it's either a particle or a wave. It could be one or the other, but it can't be both. And scientific experiment after scientific experiment has now, nope, it's sometimes operates like this and sometimes it operates like this but it is both at the same time particle and a wave and like is i have just a dim enough understanding of science to be dangerous but like i can get that idea that there's a paradox and that two things are said to be true at the same time that seem contradictory and if science can live with that if quantum physicists can live with that and say there's still science (laughs) um then yeah we can do decent theology and say we say both of those things about jesus he's fully human and fully divine and even though it boggles our mind to say those at the same time we do and i guess for me that's one more delightful bonus about this image of christ being light it's a way of saying he's both human and divine at the same time just like light can be a particle and a wave at the same time and maybe this is going to be one of those places that is either a half-formed thought that could be a heresy or possibly bad science um but it does seem interesting to me as I think about it now, like if we talk about like the notion of light as this reality that gives itself away and that just sort of radiates outward to everything else, the opposite of that is what astrophysicists call a black hole. It is something where the gravity is so strong that light itself can't escape, that like just mm-hmm. sucks in because all it is is that inward pull. And I'm not looking to villainize black holes. We need one in our galaxy to keep things from flying off. But interesting how there's those two opposites, right? That there's this idea of light that gives itself away um, and that the opposite of that is this sort of only ever sucking inward, only ever drawing to yourself. And the, if the nature of who God is, is this self-giving, always sort of outward proceeding, that God is always looking to mm-hmm. seek the good of the other, whether that's within the being of God in the, the three persons or the rest of the world. It's just such an interesting idea that maybe what's, whatever sin is, is in the end that sort of like being so bent in on yourself um, that you can't receive love and you certainly can't give it. To, to take that metaphor a little bit further, Steve, and go back to the verse I read earlier about, you know, the light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. Yeah. Unlike a black hole where you no light can escape. Yeah. The, the beauty of the light of Christ dispels any darkness. So no matter how sinful we might become as a world, as individuals, that sin cannot, when Christ's light enters into us. Mm-hmm that sin can no longer overtake us. This reminds me too of that line of Dr. King's uh, where I think it goes something like, 
uh, darkness can't cast out darkness. Only light mm-hmm. can do that. And hate can't cast out hatred. Only love can do that. But again, mm-hmm. but there is this really interesting connection that even ancient, ancient writers like John's prologue connect this idea of light as this reality that gives itself away and that genuine love is that same giving itself away. And the way to, to respond to or fight what is evil in the world isn't with what's fight evil on its own terms. So more mm-hmm. darkness with more darkness or something, but is to respond with light, to respond with something different. Or as they say in my favorite Star Wars movies, uh, that's how we're going to win, not to fight what we hate, but to save what we love. So um, I am grateful that at least in the churches that I have been a part of, whether as just a parishioner, as a child, or served in seminary, or serve as an adult, as a pastor, that all of them have done um, near the end of the service, everybody gets a single candle mm-hmm. and we light them all like the, the lights, like the electric mm-hmm. lights slowly get dimmed and to the point of like you need your candle to be held up to your bulletin just so so you can still see the words of yeah. Silent Night. Mm-hmm. Um, but not be careful. Don't let your bulletin on fire, people. <laughs> um because I think, because all of us have having grown up with the electricity and the electric lights, this imagery of the darkness shall not overcome the light is almost lost on us. Yeah. Like, because we have never really needed to rely on in our day to day lives a candle to light up our kitchen to cook this dinner meal mm-hmm. um, or to um, to have light to eat by or to clean up or, you know, to do all of those things that you do after the sun goes down. Um, we've never really had to do that. We can flip a switch and our kitchen are as bright as we want it to be um, with our electric lights. And so this is a moment that we get to experience what it's like to have a single candle trying to read something in front of us. And that single candle is often not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you get your, um, you know, the person next to you also has a candle and then that lights the next candle and then the next candle, you know, slowly the room does get a little bit brighter because there's yeah. so many lights. Um, and so like the idea of Jesus as that single light but yet that single light, the darkness does not overcome. Jesus is mm-hmm. bright enough right. that mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be any other lights. Right, right. Like, I think that's powerful. And, you know, that's something I enjoy every Christmas Eve because it allows us to, like, understand, I think, that metaphor just or that image yeah. in yeah. ways that, like, would have been second nature to people in the first century. Mm-hmm. But right. it's a little bit harder for us to visualize yeah and adding to that what i love to do and again it happened when i was a lay person and i do it as a pastor you know after we've sung silent night with the candles i ask everybody to raise them up Mm. because when you're holding it down in front of you yes you have light right in front of you but there's still all this darkness when everybody raises that candle up together then like it it lights the whole room and it it just for me that's a really powerful experience uh, I, I can't describe it in words. It's just one of those like mm, moments of Christmas Eve where like that light does overcome the darkness because it's no longer just me and my light. All of us are together with the light of Christ are coming out and dispelling the darkness that's above us. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. 
there's something beautiful too about considering that uh, it starts from that it sort of radiates out from a single point. And and mm-hmm. my guess is in your traditions as well that first candle that everybody lights there is from on Christmas Eve starts from the Christ candle, and then we pass mm-hmm. it along. Which um, even though we, we usually don't make this connection out loud on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Um, it's interesting, you mentioned earlier that, that in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world about himself. But in Matthew's gospel, Jesus talks to his community and says, you are the light of the, the world. world. And then the city on the hill can't be like, so that it's, it's mm-hmm. and it's it's not that one is right and one is wrong, so much as like both are true and we can only be the light insofar as mm-hmm. we are connected to this Jesus who shines through us. Um, but that same notion of this, this flame now gets passed to another, to another, to another. And even if I'm eighth in line or 18th in line, my light isn't less. I've, I've been given the same light as everybody else. And it's all come from this source who's illuminated us all that's another a really really powerful image um that again without anybody calling attention to it or having to say it out loud we all get to witness i think it's cool then as you mentioned that that christ candle then even once we put away the advent wreath in some form there is a candle that stays in most worship spaces throughout the year. Then again, it, get, it sort of gets used in different ways. You know, it, it, we light it again at uh, in, in uh, other seasons in, in Lent or leading up to Easter or, but like it's that reminder of the story doesn't end with Christmas, but like this is the beginning of something that continues to spread. And the whole notion is of Christ continuing to abide with us in the world so that Christmas is never an end, but a beginning. Mm-hmm. So speaking of things continuing, this whole season of Christmas tide lasts 12 whole days. So we'll wish all of you listening a blessed rest of Christmas tide in these 12 days of Christmas. And we'll join you next time here on Gracie Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. This is